that our identity is, is found in the love of God. And when the love of God enters into the human heart, it's no longer about our race. It's not about what nation we were born in, right? It's not about what our socioeconomic status is and, and what side of the tracks we grew up on. Are you with me this morning? What I love about his story is it reminds me that it's the love of God that defines who we are. Culture doesn't define who we are. God's love defines who we are. And when God's love enters our heart, we have the ability then to love God, to love ourselves, and to love all of humanity. That's the power of what God's love can do. This morning, I want to just share a simple message with you about how the love of God can define us, can define us. Last week, Terry Brown preached a powerful message about how God's love never fails us. It never fails us, but it also defines who we are. And Terry pointed to 1 Corinthians 13 last week, the scripture that talks about how when everything in this world passes away, there will be three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, is love. Why is love the greatest? Why is love the greatest? Could it be that love is the greatest because love is, is what defines who we are? What we love, what we want, defines us, defines who we are. Not so much what we think, what we believe defines us, but what we love defines who we are. And so today what I want to do is I want to I want to dive into a question, a love defining question that Jesus asked to disciples. So turn with me to John chapter one today, John chapter one. And we're going to look at two disciples named John and Andrew. Before John and Andrew were followers of Jesus, they were followers of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had disciples, he had followers. And John and Andrew, two of the apostles, actually were first disciples of John. And then they became disciples of Jesus. The Bible says the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. Again, those two disciples were John, the apostle, and Andrew, the apostle. Verse 36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? What do you want? That is the love defining question right there. What do you want? And I want to just pause and I'm going to say this this morning. I, I, I want you to hear that question and I don't want you to hear it from me. I want you to hear that from Jesus today. You're here today and probably many of you are following Jesus just like Andrew and John were literally following Jesus, they were behind him following and he turned around and he asked them a question. He said, what do you want? 
And I believe Jesus is turning around today and he's asking each one of us the question, what do you want? It's a powerful, love-defining question. And let's keep reading. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? That's an interesting answer to a powerful question of what do you want? Where are you staying? We'll unpack that in a little bit. Come, he replied, and you will see. Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. We're going to pause there for a moment. Jesus asked the question, what do you want? Reminds me of a story I heard one day a ferry flew up to a husband and wife who were about 65 years old. You two have been so good, said the fairy, that I'm going to grant each of you one wish. The first thing that comes to your mind, I will grant it. Oh, my, said the wife. I've always dreamed of taking an around the world cruise with my husband. Poof. There in her hand were two, uh, two tickets to a cruise around the world. The husband said, wow, that sounds great. And then he thought to himself, sure, love to go with somebody who's about 30 years younger. Poof, he was instantly a 95-year-old man. And all the ladies said, serves him right. Be careful what you wish for, right? If you were granted one wish, what would you wish for? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Jesus were to turn to you and say, what do you want? What's the first thing that would come to your mind? It's usually the first thing that comes to your mind is what you really, really want. See, if you have to think about that and kind of meditate on that and really think about what do I, then you probably really don't want it. It's the first thing that comes to your mind is what you really want. Jesus said, or he asked the question, what do you want? Now, what's interesting is what he didn't ask. He didn't ask, what do you believe? He didn't ask, what do you think? He asked, what do you want? I think it's because God's more interested in what's in your heart than what's in your head. Jesus was always trying to discover what was in a person's heart and help them see what was inside of their heart. See, following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is more about hungering and thirsting than it is thinking and believing. They will know that we are Christians by our, by our, our Christian t-shirts, right? They'll know we're Christians by our, our doctrine, They'll know by the songs that we sing, right? And the radio stations we list. No, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Our love defines who we are. Professor of philosophy at Calvin College, James K.A. Smith, he wrote a book entitled, You Are What You Love. And he says this, we assume that what defines us as human persons is what we think and what we believe. And if we just fill our minds with the right things, we become mature disciples of Jesus. If we deposit the right information into our heads, then we'll become more like Christ. But the problem with that idea is, do any of us know things that we don't really do? 
How many of you know more than you are? Right? If you are what you think, then you can think a lot of things, but not really do those things you think. So what makes a human person a human person is much more than what you think. It's what you love. It's what you want. I think that's why Jesus, when Peter denied him three times and Jesus restored Peter, I think the reason I think the reason Jesus didn't ask him the question, hey, Peter, do you still believe that I am the Christ, the son of the living God? He didn't ask Peter that question. Think about that. He didn't ask Peter, do you still believe in me? You failed. Do you still believe in me? He didn't ask him that. He asked him, do you still love me? He wanted to find out what was in Peter's heart. He wanted to find out what was in John's heart and Andrew's heart. And so he asked the question, what do you want? What do you long for? See, if I wanted to know what was in your heart, what really made you tick, I wouldn't ask you, what do you know? Because you probably know a lot of things. Some of you know a lot, a lot of things. You've got a, you've been through a lot of education. You have plenty of degrees and experiences. And if I were to, t- what do you know? You would tell me many, many things. If I were to ask you, what do you believe? Right. Would that really tell me about what's in your heart? What do you believe? Well, if I asked the demons in hell the same question, they could give me the same answer, couldn't they? Right. Because if you ask the demons, what do you believe? They'd say, we believe in God. That's what the Bible says. They believe in God and they tremble because of it. But they don't want God. They don't love God. See, if I want to find out what's really in your heart, I'm going to ask you the question that Jesus asked to John and to Andrew. And the question is, what do you want? What do you really want more than anything in this world? What do you crave for? What do you long? What do you desire? What do you think about? What do you spend money on? What do you plan for? See, to be human, to be a human is to be a lover, not just a thinker, not just a believer, but to be a lover. And that's why Jesus asked the question, what do you want? Other translations would put it like this. What are you seeking? Or what are you looking for? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? I don't know about you, but there's probably a lot of different things that we're looking for. Um, This happens to be one of the things that I like to go searching for and looking for. Uh, It's called an antler. And uh, it's it's an elk antler. And so I like to go uh, what's called shed hunting. This is a, a an antler that has been shed or has fallen off of an elk. And I don't know why I'm fascinated with antlers. Um, it could be that this this bone is the fastest growing bone in the world. It, this this bone, this antler grows in, in just four months. Four months it grows this big. And then in March of every year, they shed, they fall off. And then I go out and look for them. <laughs> and then those antlers, they grow back in four months again, but even bigger than this. And so, and so what happens is, is I used to do a lot of hiking in, in Nebraska, and, and I really enjoy that. But I've made a couple trips to Colorado to find them this big. 
And I'll get up earlier than everybody else and I'll put on my backpack with its hydration system in it. I'm serious about this. I got the right hiking boots. I got the compass, the GPS, and I am, I'm up and down mountains. And I'll do this for hours. I'll do this for miles. And I'll do it till my legs fall off. And I come back totally exhausted. Why? Because I'm looking for something I can't even eat. <laughs> Somebody came up to me after the second service and said, you know, if you boil it long enough, you could eat it. <laughs> you know? It's what I want. It's what I'm searching for, seeking. It's what I'm looking for. I don't, I don't bow down and worship antlers, but I'm just I'm fascinated with them and I enjoy seeking them out. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Tell me after class, you know. But I think, I think we all are, are looking for something. We're searching for something. We'll spend energy. We'll spend time. We'll plan trips out. We'll, we'll, we'll do it until we're, our legs fall off. There, there's something you're looking for. And you'll you'll go after it harder than anybody else. You'll get up earlier than anybody else. What is it that you want? That was the question that Jesus posed to John and Andrew. And that's the question Jesus is asking you today. Is it okay to want other things and look for other things like antlers? I hope so. (laughs) But what really captures your heart? We're all on this journey and we're all we're all trying to get to something. What is that something? What is that thing that we desire and long for more than anything? David, he would, he would say what he longed for is he said, when can I go and meet with God? I can't wait to get alone and be with God. You know, I, I don't know about you, but man, when a man loves a woman, he can't wait to be alone with her. When a, when a guy finds the gal of his dreams, like I have, I remember the day when I would leave all other loves and I would I would gladly spend my treasure and my time on this woman that I wanted. I wanted to say, this is my girlfriend, right? I wanted to say, this is my fiance. This is my my wife. All of those things, right? And I would do whatever it took. And and here's the deal, guys. You remember this? This is what happens when the guy goes after the woman. He leaves his his group of guys. Right. And and he's he leaves them and they're like, man, dude, what happened? You know, I thought we were friends, you know. But he's found another love. He's going after that. And that's what Jesus is asking. He's saying, what do you love? What are you seeking after? And the disciples, they replied with this answer. They, they, they said, where are you staying? Jesus says, what do you want? They said, where are you staying? What does that mean? We want to be where you are. That's what their answer was. We want to be where you are, Jesus. We want to, to be with you. We want to be with you. We want you. We want to abide with you. We want to live with you. Jesus, we are done following John the Baptist. We're done following him. We want to follow you. Where are you staying? We want to be with you. They want they wanted Jesus more than anything. St. Augustine, or Augustine rather, 400 A.D., he He wrote a a book called The Confessions, and it's a book of prayers that he wrote down. 
And one of the prayers that he writes is this. He says, God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself. How many of you believe that's true? God, you have made us for yourself. And we, our hearts, they are restless until they find their rest in you. It doesn't matter how many antlers I find. My heart's going to be restless. There's only one place that your heart will find rest, that your heart will find peace. And that is the one who created you. Because he created you to be a lover of God. And not just a lover of God. God created you to be a receiver, a receptacle of that love. And he also created you to be a vessel, a giver of that love. What do you want? When you miss a meal, I don't know if that ever happens to you. You have a busy day and you just you don't have time to eat lunch. When you miss a meal, do you feel guilty about missing that meal or do you feel hungry? Oh, man, I missed lunch. I feel so bad. I feel so guilty. (laughs) Right. When you miss your time with God, spending time with God, do you feel guilty or do you feel hungry? When you miss your time with God, do you miss God? Or do you just feel guilty that you didn't have your quiet time? Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, if we if we miss time with God and we feel guilty about it, I think it really reveals what we really, really want. If we really want God, we shouldn't feel guilty. We should feel hungry. That's why Jesus used words like hunger and thirst. If you hunger for me, you will be filled. If you thirst for me, you will be filled. You will be quenched. I think discipleship has so much more to do with hungering and thirsting than thinking and believing. It begins with hunger. It begins with thirst. Are you with me today? And God is asking, what are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? So Jesus asked the question, what do you want? They say, Jesus, we want to be where you are. We want you. And then Jesus replied these words. He said, come and see, come and see. And it was so much more than come and see where I am or where I live. It was a it's an expression that rabbis would use. And when they said, come and see, they were saying, come and learn Torah with me. Come and learn the scriptures with me. Come and learn with me. Does that sound familiar? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, if anyone is weary and heavy burdened, let him come to me and he will find rest. And he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So when Jesus said, come and see, he was saying, come and learn from me and you will see. Come and learn scriptures with me. Come and let's do life together. Learn from me. Learn of me. It's powerful. So. What do you want? If you want Jesus, Jesus said, come first, come, then learn, then see. 
Come, learn, see. So first it's come. Come if you're poor in spirit. Come if you're weighed down with burdens. Come if you're beaten down with sin. Come if you're hungry. Come if you're thirsty. And you will be satisfied, Jesus said. And when you come to Jesus, something happens in us that is supernatural. God does things in us. He says, I will do things in you that you can't do. And I love Ezekiel chapter 36. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Ezekiel 36. God says what he will do when we come to him. And he says, this is what the, this is what I will do for my people. This is what I will do for Israel when they return to me. He says this, I will notice all the I wills. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities. How many of you know that's good news? And all your idols. I will give you a what? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I Listen to that. I will remove from you what? Your heart of stone, your old heart, and I will do what? Give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. That sounds like a heart transplant to me. You see, when you get saved, salvation is surgery. Salvation is a heart transplant. God takes the old heart from you and he puts in a new heart. Dallas knows all about a heart transplant. We heard about Dallas last week, Dallas Brown. He was born with a defective heart. There was a virus that was attack, uh, effect, uh, attacking his heart, right? And that virus was, was killing his heart. And Dallas needed a, a, a new heart. He needed a physical heart transplant. And in the same way that Dallas needed a new heart, physical heart, we need a spiritual heart transplant because there's a virus from day one that is attacking our hearts, our spiritual hearts. And the Bible says that we are, our, our hearts are actually spiritually dead. His heart was dead. We are born with the defective heart. We are born with sin. We are born with a virus. Right? We need a spiritual heart transplant. And when you come to Jesus, Jesus says, I will remove from you. Your heart of stone. Some of you today, your heart is stone. It's not shame on you. It's this is the heart you were born with. You have this heart of stone. And God wants to remove it. And he wants to give you a heart of flesh. He wants to give you a brand new heart that's 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 soft, a brand new heart where the spirit of God can live. He wants to do a spiritual uh, uh, heart transplant in you today. Some of you are going to have some surgery at the end of this service. The surgeon is going to come and remove something out of you and put something brand new in you called a heart. And here's the deal. When God gives you a new heart, you can love God. You couldn't love him before. And you can receive the love of God that you couldn't receive before. And here's the beauty. You can love humanity like you've never loved before. 
when you get a new heart, you have a new capacity to love. And that new capacity to love defines who you are now. You don't get a new brain. You don't get a new mind. That has to be relearned. You get a new heart. You don't get a head transplant. (laughs) I wish I had. You get a heart transplant. Isn't that beautiful? And now you've got to learn how to live out of this new heart that God has given you. Now, when Dallas went into the hospital to get his heart transplant, you know, I don't know how long he was in surgery, right? But after he was out of surgery, they probably sent him home right away, right? No, there's this post-operative care that he had to go through. They had to make sure that there was no infection. They had to, they had to, um, uh, he had to go through therapy and, and he was an infant, so he probably didn't exercise. But my dad had some heart work done, open heart surgery several years ago, and he had to go through all these exercises. You see, God is the one who gives you a brand new heart, but then the church helps you through this thing called post-operative care. All right. The church helps you to live out of that new heart that God has given to you. Because you don't know how to live out of that new heart, right? You still, you still have those old heart habits. You still have those habits that, that, that got you on the operating table to get a new heart. And you need to learn new heart habits now that you have this new heart. And that's what the body of Christ is for. We, we, we help one another. Now, here's what, I, here's what I've learned about love. Jesus said, come and learn from me. Can I tell you that you can learn to love? Love can be learned. Love can be learned. It's something God gives you a brand new heart and then he teaches you how to love out of that new heart. Love can be learned. Love can be relearned. There was a church in Ephesus and that church had a big heart for God because God had given them a big heart. But over time, that heart left its love for God. That church left its love for God. And God said, you have left your love for me. You have left your first love. And then he said this. He said, repent and do the things that you did at first. In other words, you have to learn to love me again. How? By practices, by doing the things that you did at first. I sit with couples whose marriages are breaking, falling apart, right? At one point, they loved each other. They were committed Right. They wanted one another and now they don't want to have anything to do with each other. What do you do? You repent. And what do you do? You do the things you did at first. Remember those days you went on dates and you made sacrifices. Listen, sometimes you do things when you don't feel like you doing those things. And eventually your feelings come up, catch up with you. Because eventually the right decisions will produce the right feelings. Well, I'm kind of getting off the track a little bit here, but I like it. It's good. So love can be learned. Let me give you an example of how love can be learned, how even receiving the love of God is something that we have to learn how to receive God's love. Brennan Manning in his book, in his book called The Furious Longing of God, he tells the story of a retreat experience he had here in the Midwest. It was a big meeting, several thousand people in the building. And after the, the retreat, after the services, people would come forward for prayer. And Brennan Manning was praying for people to be healed. And the prayer lines were long, going all the way out the door. And, and he was there one night past midnight, just praying for people. 
And after he had finished praying, he was so exhausted, he went back to his room and he said he didn't even take his clothes off to go to bed. He just left his clothes on and he went to bed. He was that tired, that exhausted. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, he'd only been sleeping a few hours. There was a knock at the door and he heard this little this little squeaky voice on the other side of the door. Brennan, can I talk to you? And he said he opened the door to find a 78 year old nun standing there. And she began to cry. And Brennan said, sister, what can I help you with? They found two chairs in the hallway and they sat down and she began to tell her story to Brennan. She said, I've never told anyone this my entire life. She said, it started when I was five years old. She said, my father would crawl into my bed with no clothes on with me. And he would touch me here and touch me there. And he said that our family doctor said we should do this. Five years of age. When I was nine, my father took my virginity. By the time I was 12, I knew every kind of sexual perversion you read about in dirty books. Now, keep in mind, this is a 78 year old nun telling this story for the first time in her life. Brennan, do you have any idea how dirty I feel? I lived with so much hatred of myself that I would only go to church when my absence would be conspicuous. He writes, in the next few minutes, I prayed with her for healing. I asked her if she would find a quiet place every morning for the next 30 days. Sit down in a chair, close her eyes, upturn her palms and pray this one phrase over and over. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Through her tears, she agreed. Yes, Brennan, I will pray that prayer every day before God. I will do that. He writes that one of the most moving and poetic follow-up letters that he had ever received came from this 78-year-old nun. And in it, she described the inner healing of her heart, a complete forgiveness of her father, and an inner peace that she had never known in her 78 years. And she concluded the letter with these words. Listen carefully. She writes this. A year ago, I would have signed this letter with my real name in religious life, Sister Mary Genevieve. But from now on, I'm daddy's little girl. And that's how she signed her letter. Love can be learned. Love can be learned. Abba. I belong to you. Every day for 30 days, she just put herself in the presence of Jesus. Abba, Daddy, God, I belong to you. And she wrote this letter of appreciation. How many? A year later. Not just 30 days, but every day for a year. Abba, I belong to you. Love can be learned. Sometimes love can be transferred in a moment to where it changes your countenance. It changes the way you think about yourself. But sometimes it takes time. Love can be learned and love can be relearned. Can I tell you, love can define us and love will define us. What we love will define who we are. like the worship team to come and we're going to we're going to wrap this message up Jesus asked the question what do you want man 
I don't know about you, but man, that that just gets me. <laughs> and I'm asking God, I'm saying, God, what do I, I really want? Because I think I know what I want. I think I say, I want God more than anything, right? I mean, that's the right answer. It's what we're supposed to say. But what do we really want? And part of me is saying, you know what? Um, God, help me to want what you want. I want to want what you want more than anything. I want the spirit of David, whose attitude always was, not when can I throw on my backpack and go looking for antlers. But when can I go and meet with God? (laughs) And I know that we can meet with God all day long. We can walk in the presence and live in the presence of God. That's what we were designed to do. I get that. When When I miss reading my Bible or I miss going to a prayer meeting, do I really miss God? Or do I feel guilty about not being there? Are you with me? Hunger, hunger. God's looking for hunger. What are you hungry for? What do you want? The disciples said, where are you staying? We want to be where you are. And Jesus said, if that's your heart's desire, then come and let's learn together. Let me teach you how to live out of this new heart I've given you. Let me teach you how to love one another. Let me teach you how to receive the love of God. Love can be learned. I want you to stand with me. See, before before we can love God and ourselves and others, we have to have that heart transplant. Some of you here today and you know that your your heart is is that stone. It's it's dead. And you need God to take it out and you need God to put a new one in. And I'm going to give a very simple invitation. I'm going to invite you as we sing this chorus to come to the front, find a place. I'm going to invite you to come. And, I'm, and it's a simple prayer. It's, God, would you give me a brand new heart? Take away my heart of sin. Give me a heart. Give me a heart that loves you. Give me a heart that's holy. Give me a heart that you can live in. God will do that. I will put in you. Some of you are here today, and you already have that new heart, but you need to learn to live out of it. You need to learn to love out of it. And you want to ask God today, God, help me to to love out of this new heart you've given me. Help me to love you more than anything. God, help me to love humanity more than more than anything. Help me to love humanity like you love humanity. And that's you. I want you to come to the front. Don't be don't be ashamed to come to the front and pray. It's our our physical response to what God is saying to you. Jesus said, "Come." Learn. See. If you need a brand new heart, come. If you need to learn to love out of that new heart, to love God, to love yourself, to love humanity, come. God, I thank you this morning that um, your word is powerful. And your questions to us are very, very powerful. And we feel poked by that question, what do you love? Reveal what's in our hearts. 
those who need a heart transplant, thank you, God, that today you're doing that right here and right now. You're doing surgery in this place. Surgery in this place. Some, God, have not been able to receive the love of God like the sister we read about. God, I pray that you would you would uh, enable them to be able to receive that love today. If you're just standing there, just put your hands out in front of you, palms up, repeat these words after me. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. One more time. Abba, I belong to you. God, transform our hearts. God, enable us to be receivers of your love and givers of your love. Let's sing this chorus together. And again, come come to this altar, if you would, as a physical expression of your face.
that you made us for yourself. God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. God, we want you. We want you. We love you today. We want you. Thank you, God. God, I thank you for the heart transplants that are happening here today. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. God, we ask that you would help us to learn how to live out of those new hearts. God, I pray, God, that Glad Tidings Church would not just be good news for all people in name, but God, in practice. God, that we would love as you love. God, we know that your love defines us. What we love defines who we are. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you that, that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only Son and that whoever believes in you shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God. I want you. I want you, Jesus. I want to be where you are. God is good. He is so good. I'm going to ask today that you would just be respectful of those that are praying and if you could keep your visiting to the lobby spaces that would be great I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come some of you need some prayer today you need somebody to agree with you our prayer workers are available they'd love to pray with you if you ask God for a heart transplant today I want you to let one of our prayer workers know just say you know what I, I, I asked God to give me a new heart today we've got a gift we'd like to get, give you get some information into your hands that will be helpful to help you grow god bless you god bless you remember this week that god loves you he loves you more than anything and he's worth pursuing more than anything have a blessed week in jesus